welcome to the Salomon Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. So this time we're somewhere pretty exciting. A few weeks ago I went down to Bristol, um, I spoke to Rosie Morgan, the Bristol Cheesemonger, which was the last podcast, and then the following day I went to the inaugural Cider Salon. Uh, now the Cider Salon is a bringing together of some of our best producers of truly amazing cider and then a handful from abroad couple from the states uh, and further afield uh, it was the brainchild of martin barkley from pilton cider and tom oliver of oliver's uh, cider and perry uh, and i know felix nash from fine cider company helped bring all the makers together um, and it was just kind of an, an exhilarating experience because you go into a room full of brilliant producers and uh, enthusiasts, people who love drinking cider and want to get their hands on some really interesting uh, different stuff. I spoke to a few people. Uh, I should say this podcast is going to be split into two, otherwise it would be a, a mammoth effort and, and actually it's a, it's a kind of an immersive listen if you like. There's a lot of hubbub going on in the background so I want you to be able to just sort of sit and soak yourself in it and, and, and enjoy it uh, over a couple of episodes. In the first episode, I speak to Gabe Cook, the ciderologist, uh, for, who we've met in a previous podcast. I also chat to Johnny Mills, who's a brewer from Mills Brewing, um, who was there, I, I imagine, uh, because of his connections to Tom Oliver. They've done a lot of co-ferments together over the uh, over the past year or so. Um, he was showing off a couple of their really fantastic beers. Um, and then I chatted to Theo Cobb, one of the makers from Hawks, uh, Hawks Cider Makers uh, from London, Druid Street. And then I spoke to uh, James Forbes um, from Little Pomona. Uh, I also chatted briefly to Felix and to Martin from uh, Clap Clapton Craft and uh, uh, the good people from Two Belly who are setting up uh, a really exciting sounding beer and cheese shop in Bristol coming soon. Um, so it's just a handful of the people I spoke to this time round, but I had a great time and I hope you get a bit of a taste um, for what the Cider Salon was. There will be more in the future, so watch this space. Cheers. So, I am here at the Bristol Cider Salon, uh, surrounded by, well, the great and the good of the amazing fine cider world. Uh, there's a couple of beer imposters that have made their way in, but they're here on spectacular merit. There's a lot of faces, a lot of good facial hair, a lot of people I recognise, a lot of names I know, uh, so it promises to be really exciting. I've actually made my way straight over to um, Mills Brewery, uh, who have done historically quite a lot of collaborating with uh, Tom Oliver. And they're chatting to the guys from Two Belly, who's just going to be a new beer and cheese shop. And I've got Gabe right here. Give us a little intro of what's happening. All right, so this is the uh, first ever Cider Salon held in the UK. We're at the Old Market Assembly uh, in Bristol. And we are absolutely rammed. It's amazing. We've got... It's worth mentioning as well that it's about 25, 26 degrees outside. Uh, and, uh, and 35 and 100% humidity. Yeah, it's pretty here. warm. It's snug. It's classic British... Yeah. Uh, yeah festival boozy fair yeah but it's brilliant we've got 22 of the best producers from around the world all pouring and the producers themselves are here uh, and we we are ram this has been an absolute resolute success we're sold mm. out now there'll be so many tickets sold on the door um, there's a real buzz and atmosphere a lot of sharing of knowledge and, and passion and interest um, I'm having a great time this is absolutely yeah. we couldn't we couldn't have uh, imagined it would be this popular when we uh, 
uh, endeavour to try and set something like this up. So I'm well chuffed. Glad to hear it. That's great. Yeah, cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm going to have a bit of a wander around and sort of uh, overhear some things, I think. Go do some scooping, man. Yeah, I will do. I will do. Cool. Cheers, dude. Right, I'm going to go over here and put a microphone under uh, under the noses of Mills Brewing and I'm going to just sneak in here and just... Uh, Hi, guys. Just ignore these little foamy things. They're here to kind of soak up whatever interesting conversation you're having about oh, this amazing beer. What are you guys trying? The, the matted course that they have there. Uh, we're talking about these guys are opening a cheese shop. In the yeah, I know. I was at the uh, cheese and cider matching session with them yesterday. Last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were also sort of, they mentioned the salutation, which is out in Ham, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they have a cheese evening. And um, they're talking about, you know, how there's a burgeoning kind of force of cheese and beer and cheese yeah. and ciders and how, and how well Mills could go so far. Well any of that sort of like super kind of funky like you talk about yeah. girls kind of that kind of like yeah. that sourness really works amazingly well with a lot of different cheese. I've not tried that one actually. Even yeah something like this which is a bit less on the south but more on the yeah. kind of... There is still hints of It's rich and kind of rich and yeah. Uh, yeah. Smoky a little bit of yeah. So that Can I try a little drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just let him live through vicariously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll just I'll just stand here it. getting thirst. You're the first, yeah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Wow. You've got that. You have got that kind of real sort of smooth coffee thing going on, but and then you've got that bitter kind yeah. of slightly. Yeah, sourness again. This was quite interesting because you, you get hit with several waves. They, get, they come quite distinctly almost. Like you get, and uh, you kind of get the, the obviously acidity up front and then it kind of fills your mouth and then you get hit with like there's a cocoa layer mm. and a coffee layer and then a raisiny bit and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually one of the things is you because i mean we're kind of on a journey of building our palettes along this and you suddenly realize that one of the, the biggest things is is how you know the complexity or, or layering can be yeah. so so defined and so you know it's, and it's really really exciting when you get a, a beer like this or like we were I talking last night about that side of the sweeter one. I said uh, three dimensional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the, sort of three um, yeah, dimensional in the terms yeah. of that it was sweet mm. and yet it had tannins and yet it, you know, and they were all distinct and all kind yeah. of, you know, right there. Yeah, amazing. Because you were saying earlier that you you kind of have a you have a sort of an image in your mind when you start creating, but actually, and it is, it feels like it's a quite a creative process. Like there's science there, but yeah, it's you know, a, there's a lot of instinct at play. I feel. Absolutely, it's like you know, science helps underpin uh, kind of the you know how we how we approach brewing. Uh, but because we're working with the wild culture, we can only do so much to control it. So we uh, do what we can to sway the the you know the fermentations one way or the other, whether yeah. it's towards acidity or towards uh, you know. Uh, kind of a sweeter, richer flavour, or whether it's to, like trying to encourage the wild yeast aromatics to come out and that kind of thing, and then, and then we, we build a big stock of barrels and then blend from, from that. That's yeah. Right. So yeah. So can uh, you remember what you were what you were aiming for with this, or did it? So well, uh, the battered porter is is unique, and that that's just one brew. So the running beer and most of the beers we produce are a blend of multiple brews, multiple barrels. Okay. Battered porter uh, was just a single brew. Uh, a single barrel, okay. and uh, and it came out all right. So we got it. <laughs> came out fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. T- I take it to the cider salon and convert some cider drinkers to beer with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a go. Yeah. It seems to be going down well. You haven't been thrown out like a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's tucked away in the corner, right? Yeah, it sticks to the back. Like, yeah. <laughs
Oh, amazing, you have to stay here. Yeah, yeah, right. Cool. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just sort of wander around and try not to bump into people, but uh, thanks, dude, I'll be back. Cheers. Wow, so that's that's what, one, one drink in and I'm already kind of uh, amazed by what everyone's doing. It's really just fantastic, a lot of very happy people. And I'm over here, I can see the saviors of cider. Uh, there's Theo, Cobb, and Sam. Uh, and he's got some of the Tom Oliver um, collaboration. So it's really interesting. So you see a lot of collaborations um, when it comes to the beer world. A lot of you know brewers all you know have a bacon sandwich and brew something funky together, and then they all go home. Um, you don't see it so much in the world of cider. And, and I spoke briefly to Tom Oliver about this a, well, a couple of months ago now. The idea being, it's a much longer process. It's a much longer ferment, and you have to sort of approach it both being on the same page so there's a lot of conversation around what you want the cider to be and then you blend from there but it's not an easy thing to pull off so I'm really really intrigued to try the uh, try the blend a little bit like cheese treat the other day though it's going to be hard to get to any of the producers So I'm going to lean over. Theo, could I try a little bit of the... Uh... Yes, please, the collaboration. Thank you. Thank you. So it's really smooth. It's got that kind of slightly... I guess that kind of quite sort of crispy freshness that you expect from that kind of uh, East Coast ciders. But there's definitely a kind of a rounded caramel, little bit tannic crunch to it from Tom's. Uh, it'd be really good to hear what Theo has to say, so I might just just shunt in and try and get some of his knowledge. Oh, and they've also got some of their Anspach and Hobday um, sort of beer collab. Um, right, I'm going to scooch in here. Theo, can I get you to have a little chat for a second? Would that be cool? Thanks, man. Sorry, guys. This is for posterity. <laughs> so, hi, how you doing, man? All right. You well? Good, good. So, this is kind of kind of an exciting development, right? Yeah, very exciting. So, how did this come about? Uh, so, we visited Tom Oliver probably around October, November last year. And since then, we've just had a discussion and we've, like, we've, me and Roberto both wanted to, we love Tom Oliver. So yeah, right. You won't be the only people here who yeah, say exactly. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and over the last two or three months, it's come, come about quite quickly, but uh, we've, we've decided that we'd do some yeast trials because we had uh, new yeasts uh, okay. we had up at Hawks, and Tom Oliver was quite interested in those, so, in those three. So we did some yeast trials and we did some uh, mixing of those uh, three yeasts as well combined. Uh, but in the end, we chose this one, Delta, which is uh, used for white wines and some rosés. So okay. it brings out uh, citrus elements yeah. to it uh, and uh, a lot of freshness. And it works well with our base, which is fairly acidic uh, from Brayburns, Carlos and Bramley's. Yeah. And yeah, then Tom... So you've got that kind of classic East Coast, East yeah. side of the country combination of yeah. you know, cookers and eaters and that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that real crisp acidic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
uh, and then Tom, he sent over to us a thousand litres of his, I think it was 2016 harvest okay. uh, vintage, uh, which was like bone dry, both the bases were fermented out completely dry, and then we ended up doing uh, a little bit of back sweetening just to broaden it out completely. Okay. And, and it gives it quite a few stages in the mouth. Yeah, it, it's um, uh, it's it's got different characteristics to it. Like it's quite a depth of body to it. It's yeah. quite a, it's quite a sort of crunchy, if you like, in the yeah. mouth. It's and it's not. I guess it's got some of that sort of you know wet western sort of cider apple tannin. You know what I mean? It's got a bit more structure to it, perhaps. How are people finding it here? Um, everyone's really interested and uh, it's been going really well. And how's your position of the, as the, the saviour of cider going down? Uh, Is that something that you don't say always, too loudly? It's, it's always difficult yeah. saving the world. But, uh, so listen, someone's yeah. got to do it. Someone's got to do it. One cider apple at a time, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. I'll let you uh, carry on, but cheers. I'll see you later. Nice one. Cool. Okay, cool. Cheers, man. See you later. Excuse me. So yeah, so that was Theo Cobb there from Hawks. Doing really cool stuff uh, with uh, Roberto, who's also the the, the other um, cider maker there at Hawks. Um, just lots of really cool, interesting ferments going on, and, and, and a really different approach. I mean, they've just been, to be honest with you, I don't know the full details of it, but they uh, they've, they've just been part bought by um, Brewdog, so they're kind of going big. Uh, they're going big or go home, and that's quite an interesting thing for an industry that's. I guess traditionally quite sort of small and artisan and crafty. So, gosh, the list of makers, it's a real who's who, it's really great. Um, and there's Greg's Pit. Sorry, thank you. And here is Little Pomona. So, give us a little. Um, what, what about me? I'm just, I'm here as a. An avid consumer. Well, this is uh, the unicorn. Yeah. Actually, the last 12 bottles of unicorn we've got. Yeah. So it's called the unicorn because it's pretty rare. So basically, a single varietal dabinet. There's actually some Harry Master Jersey in it. Spontaneous keys. What I like about that is when the keys happens spontaneously, it's what the apple wants to do in it. But essentially, rather than where you add enzymes and salt to stop the fermentation. This stops naturally, right. and that gives you that um, this glorious amount of sugar, lovely carbonation, and really natural flavours. So it's not overly sweet. No, it's, that's what I was going to say. It's interesting you say it's key because most of the stuff that I've tried, that it's kind of, uh, I guess, the contrived key is, yeah, a lot sweeter than that actually, and that's just got that. It's just more of a counterbalance yeah. rather. So this, this feels like a liquid that's fully fermented, even yeah, right. though it hasn't. Yeah, okay. Whereas a lot of key ciders taste like the fermentation has been stopped. Okay. Artificially, which it has. Yeah. So that well, we're about natural stuff. So sure. So, so would you say that kind of underpins everything you do? That sort of I guess that's a lot of people here though, isn't it? That, yeah, that low so. intervention yeah. approach. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 It's about letting the fruit actually do what it wants to do. Yeah, right. And following that yeah. progress and making decisions about how the ferments are going yeah. and what needs to happen to, to improve it. So I feel quite lucky here because I'm I'm from the outside and I've got one of the best makers and according to Imbibe, one of the best sort of uh, sellers, yeah. dreamers of outsider. I told yeah. them that, so it's all biased. Yeah, yeah. You've got to sing your phrase, the brew dog approach to cider. Right. He's no saviour of cider. No, no, he's the... Uh, <laughs> 
Careful, they're nice lads. No, they are, they are nice. <laughs> well, one of the best tasters as well. Yeah. Just, what I find is just waxing lyrical and then throwing in random images that don't make sense. Like yeah, but they do. Anything on meth is the best. <laughs> the excitement that no, I like it. I really like it. I did occur to me that there should maybe be at some point a bit of a, I don't know, the wit and wisdom of. Do you know what I mean? The wit and wisdom of cider, just a whole series of tasting notes to go with some of the best ciders going around. Oh, that would be good. I like that. What's funny with like the UK cider scene as well is that like stuff like this is exciting and it's still quite new, whereas for beer yeah. it's been going on for a while now. But people don't, people feel almost scared to approach cider as more than just apples and it's like it's amazing that even talking about like uh, the fruit you get from Foxwell and like red berries and people as soon as you start saying it they engage with the drink differently yeah. so you just have to go out on a limb sometimes and be like what do I taste and if no one else agrees well fuck them like I tasted it I, yeah. I'm not only bought the bowl I really enjoyed it yeah but that's also I mean you 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 must see this that no people won't be knowing what they're tasting until you go oh yeah but there's that kind of like for me People never seem to pick up on, on that kind of pasture note that you get in a lot of really good cheeses. And the moment you say it, suddenly you know that they're tasting that lovely kind of green, fresh lushness coming through the milk. And that's kind of, I guess there's a little bit of uh, manipulation going on there, but you know, it invites people in and makes, the, makes whatever they're eating and drinking more exciting. It's all subjective for one, but also it's like the dialogue of opening that up and saying, oh, this is what I taste. Right. You just engage a different part of your yeah. brain. Because like for half of our customers, before they started getting pushed this way, they were just thinking craft beer, natural wine, oh, just 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 cider. Magnus could be there. Like there was no yeah, right, okay. separation between the scale and the smaller producers. And you're like, when you've got stuff like this, that's like almost like sweet shop vibes, foam bananas, then like tart apple skin, like bit of the pan, like kind of the feel of the orchard there as yeah, well. Right. It's like, just have to embrace that there are things out there that are going to be. Well, there's a massive right. range of exciting different yeah, experiences, I guess. What drew you to cider? Because it's not like your. That's not your original. Well, it was in the wine trade, so it's just sure. a, a natural transition. Uh, yeah. Well, it really was the fruit. Yeah, okay. But actually, tasting um, cider apples from the tree is what really uh, drew me to it. Okay. It's like they're amazing pieces of fruit. Yeah. And I began to wonder why. Cider generally is made without regard to that, that fruit and why it's so manipulated. Right. I just wonder what can happen. Well, we wonder what could happen. Ah, yeah. if you just, is that, that's Susanna there. Susanna, yeah, we, we wonder what, what would happen if you just let the apples do all the work yeah. and see where they go. And there's that amazing moment when you taste the cider apple, say a dab in it, where you have this that small moment of pleasure before the tannins can right, just suck everything out of you. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to capture mm. is those little moments inside of right. it was actually pleasurable to try them. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's purely by letting them do their thing. Do you think that's something, because it's something I, I've seen a lot more inside uh, be effective than in wine. Like, it's that big tannic kind of almost taking over, but, you know, the little hint of fruit. And then when you're starting to pair it with food, that's when it gets really exciting. But it feels like, I could be completely wrong, but it feels like cider makers are a little a little braver with, with that sort of with the tannin do you know what I mean like the, maybe the apples yeah, I mean, it works better or I think there's, there's 
thing with um, cider apples is the tannins are in the fruit. Yeah, right. Unavoidable. Yeah. Whereas with wine, you can you can manipulate it by taking the juice off the skins. Okay. So much. The red wine but it's in, it's through yeah. it's through the flesh. It's everywhere. Right. right. Flesh, yeah. Okay. So you can't avoid it. So you can avoid it. You can you can judge when you press. So the earlier you press, the less tannins you will get. Sure. Uh, how much pressure you're applying. You can do stuff. Yeah. And time will also cause tannins to precipitate out of the liquid. Okay. So our liquids are tannic, but not as tannic as some. No, right, okay. So, yeah. But do you, so would you say a lot of your work is done, because you keep coming back to the fruit, there's a lot of your work done in the orchard, is all, that? All done in the orchard. Really, right, okay. Is, is what I say, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so we're very um, fussy about the fruit, so we hand pick all the fruit, we hand select all the fruit, we do a second selection at uh, Crush. Right. We also age the fruit off the tree, so we do crazy things. Okay. So, but all of that work is done before anything started to ferment exactly. or any... Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Is that unusual? I mean, Very I... Very unusual, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think anyone else... No, okay. Maybe there is, I don't know, I've not heard of it, so... No, right. Um, it's very important when you're not using sulphur in the production to okay. make sure everything in the press, this goes to press, is really clean. Okay. And also keeping your acids up will help against yeah, bacteria yeah. exposure. So, so we're only in the production of cider, we're using zero sulphur. Okay. It's very unusual. Okay. At bottling, with some of them we do add a little bit of sulfur. Right. But in the actual production phase, we don't use it. Okay. So, Gosh, so it really is, good. you're just allowing it to get on and do its thing and giving it as much care and attention. It's like looking after the cattle properly. It's like having, again, it, I feel there's a lot of parallels and I think that's what's really exciting yeah, for me yeah. as a cheese guy coming yeah. into this world is you're, you're basically talking like a really good cheese maker. It's the same, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's the right. same sort of approach. We're, yeah, we're talking like a really good brewer or a really good wine Yeah, right, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, like, sure. Uh, the ingredients are really important. Yeah. Um, and that's not what the mass market cider producers think. So, so I guess that kind of brings me on to what do you think, this is quite a unique setup. Like, you know, you come in here, you look at the list of the, you know, the, the producers here and it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. Like it's a who's who, really. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess, what do you hope comes from something like this, this kind of occasion? This occasion, I hope, is a kind of sort of benchmark, a line in the sand, right. um, and a beginning of, of sort of renaissance cider. I think it is happening, actually bringing it into one spot and exposing it to you know, dozens, hundreds of people yeah, right. is, is the genesis of something yeah. that can be great. Yeah. And orchard-based ciders deserve their place on the yeah. tables. Absolutely, well, the very best tables. And actually, you know, I mean, you're, uh, quite a few of your ciders are distributed by Felix, yep. and they are making their way, you know, into Michelin star restaurants. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we're really lucky to be with Felix, and he's done a brilliant job, and he's like a visionary almost. Yeah, uh, no, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think what's exciting is it's. So I work with a lot of sh a lot of chefs in my previous role as a wholesale cheesemonger, and they're always looking for something new. But it has to be good. It's not, you know, newness is not good enough. So I think what's brilliant about what you guys are bringing to the, literally to the table, is that, you know, it's new. It's like, oh, okay, cider. I'd never considered that. But suddenly you're you're pairing it with a dish or, or, or you yeah, know, a particular yeah. ingredient, yeah. and not only is it new, but it really works and it's really delicious. And I think that's, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited for everybody here. It's awesome. It's a really exciting time for cider. And. Um, is this yeah. quite, this is pretty new, right, this one? Jesse Bond with brand new, you want to try? Yes, please. This is a, Jesse Bombo and Art of Darkness are both still and dry. Um, and they're experiments in different types of maturation, essentially. Okay. 
So Art of Darkness is barrel matured. Right. So the introduction of oxygen is, is the key there. This was aged in glass cowboys, so it was zero oxygen. Okay. And you get a very different profile coming out of it. The, the anaerobic, essentially, um, maturation allowed us to keep the sort of delicacy of the liquid. Wow. Which I really like. Whereas the hard dance is far more robust. It's taking flavour from the barrel as well. Yeah, right. Wow, that's, I mean, that is amazingly delicate, but it, it kind of, it, the way the tannins work, it kind of almost brings in, and then it opens everything up, and I think probably your saliva takes hold again, and it really just, you've got a lovely sort of sweetness coming through, it's gorgeous. The nature of the tannins on this, I was very keen to preserve. Yeah. A sort of wet clay almost. Yeah, okay. Which gives it some great possibilities of food matching, particularly cheese, I think. Yeah. And Art of Darkness has its own affinity Sorry. to cheese too. I mean, I'd be going down the sort of more, I guess, the lighter end of things. I mean, that would pair really well with, you know, your kind of fresher goat-style cheese. Exactly really beautifully. Just picking up all their kind of mineral, fresh, zesty notes. That's really fantastic. Sorry, I'm not really drinking it fast enough. <laughs> You're lining up the next one. Um, I think a lot of our ciders are somewhere out in a limb of the cider world. Yeah. Uh, still dry, quite high acid ciders. Yeah. Still to become a thing. I think what I really like about them is they are they're a hair's breadth away from being quite almost too complicated, too difficult to drink. Do, do you know what I mean by that? I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. I think it shouldn't just be an easy sugary knockback. It, it, it should be something that you have to really engage with to, to fully in, appreciate and enjoy. But well, it has to be a drinkability. A drinkability but that's what I mean. That's that hair's breadth. It's just on that right side, and it that's what's so lovely about it. I think. Um, so this is out of darkness. Okay, so this is the barrel aged. This is 12, 12 months uh, wild ferment in tank. Yeah. And the first racking was into old whiskey barrels. And we left them there, not deliberately for 12 months, but it happened to be 12 months. How do you accidentally leave it for 12 months? We didn't accidentally leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got those barrels. We, we didn't plan, no, I know. <laughs> we didn't plan to leave it in for 12 yeah, months. Okay. We just watched it all right, the time. Right, okay. And we took it out when the interplay of the fruit and the cask were kind of right. Right, so okay. Neither, neither element was dominating. And is that just a judgment call? That's just yeah. you going, yeah, it's now, now's now time. Right, yeah. right, okay. And then we actually aged it. We bottled it and aged it for another six months from the bottle before we released it. So it's a two and a half year process. Wow. Again, it's kind of, it comes right in there at the end, but you've got... It's a much bigger, bolder. I mean, you're looking at up towards almost like almost perhaps the wash rind, kind of you know something a bit funky and aromatic. Aged gouda. Yeah, right. That Cornish gouda. Um, well, last night, yeah. Yeah. That would. That would be it really would, yeah. That was a cracking cheese, actually. They're really. I loved it. He's done a superb job. Honestly, he's probably. I mean, I, he can only be in his mid to late twenties still. I mean, he's really done wonders. And when you think some of those cheeses are four and a half years old. You go, well, hang on, that's, that's half the age of the business. That takes some balls to go, know, you know, we're going to lay that down for posterity because you might not be there in five years' time, you know? Really it's very, cool. It's very impressive. Yeah, really good. It was just good cheeses on, on show all round, actually. She does a great job, really great job. Well, that's terrific, thank you. Yeah, so that's, um, that's how they've done. Yeah, okay. Which has worked out really well. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably do that again.
Okay. 2016 is yeah. already in barrel. Okay. Probably will be for and, a and when you say do it again, it's not necessarily something that you'll leave in the barrels for, for 12 months. It's something that you'll wait to get to that. We are in that watching stage. Though. Yeah, okay, yeah. interesting. So you're watching and tasting and... Yeah, tasting, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And you're, you're tasting multiple barrels as well, so right. you've got to try and work out which barrels are going to actually end up in the blend okay. and when you're going to do it. Okay. So it's, but it's all intuitive. So yeah, right. But that's interesting to hear that because, I mean, I guess a lot of makers of any description are using some some people seem to fall into this you know science and it's a recipe almost and then others fall into the more you know there's science at play but it's it's a tool to help them rather than the governor yeah. we're simply watching the fermentations and then watching the maturation right and then making decisions based on what we're, what we're tasting and smelling cool. so that's it well, that's our role, we're guardians of the liquid. I love it. <laughs> great. Listen, I'm going to let you crack on and, uh, nice and one, serve uh, your customers. But great to meet you, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you again. So that was the cider salon part one. Um, got to chat to some really interesting people there. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversations. I only wish there was a sort of a, a way for you to taste the ciders. I mean, I'm sure you can get your hands on quite a few of the things that we tried, um, and, I, and I would do if I were you, because it was a really, uh, you know, I think my palate didn't know what to do with itself by the end of the afternoon. Uh, it really was a fantastic experience and, and great to speak to such passionate producers. Uh, next time uh, will be part two of the Cider Salon where I speak to a few more people and try a few more delicious ciders. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to know more about Cellarman, go to cellarman.co.uk or follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cellarman Sam. See you later. Cheers. <laughs>